Hello and welcome to More Like Guidelines, an actual play game design podcast. My name is Jessica Crimes, she, her, and I am joined today by... My name's Ben, he, him. I'm Kendall, uh, they, them, today. I'm Goji, he, they, making it complicated. <laughs> and I'm Jester, also they, them. Today, and hopefully for a fair while, we are going to be playing Biocore, a biopunk TTRPG of rebellion, choice, and ultimately futile struggle. Not to give you any spoilers there. (laughs) For anyone who doesn't know, a TTRPG, or tabletop role-playing game, is a game that serves as a toolbox for collaborative storytelling. Unfortunately, the game we're playing doesn't entirely exist yet. See, I'm a TTRPG designer, and Biocore is a full system game I'm currently developing. We're starting off with the skeleton of this game, the very basic building block rules, and building it as we go for eventual release to the public. This is essentially one long, complex playtest. One other important thing to mention is that content notes for each episode will be in the episode description and are worth checking out. So, first things first, just a little bit about us. My name's Jess. I am the founder of Don't Hurt Birds, the business that is putting this podcast out. I make tabletop role-playing games and bad choices. Ben, what do you do? Hey, I'm Jess's brother. I live in North East England. I don't really do much. Cool. How about you, Candle? Uh, I live in Florida, and my name is Candle, and I write most of the time. Candle has a very cool series called The Carving Bones, which you should definitely go check out if you don't mind doing a big little spooky time. That's not a sentence. It is a spooky time to contrast with my winning personality. Goji, hello. Hi, my name's Goji. I live with this. Wow, okay. <laughs> I, am, I am a freelance illustrator, um, currently unemployed during a pandemic. So my schedule is pretty open. (laughs) And Jester. I'm Jester. I don't really do anything except my full-time 40-hour-a-week job where I work with weed. So you could say I do a good (laughs) thing. No, I'm not a dealer. I live where it's legal. It's fine. (laughs) We have one hell of a group. So a little bit more information about the game we're going to be playing. Our setting is the fiefdoms, an impossibly vast megalopolis surrounded on all sides by the AI wastes. Each sector of the fiefdoms has a corporate lord affiliated with one of the mega corporations that rule over the city in a very uneasy truce. Almost everyone in the fiefdoms is tied to one of the corps, and their every moment is expected to be spent in glad servitude of their riches and betters. I never said that the messages in this game would be subtle. (laughs) The only exceptions, the only ones without ties and loyalties to the corps, are the disavowed. Those born in the districts no corp would ever want to claim, or perhaps even out in the AI wastes themselves. They have no access to mods, the biomechanical augmentations that serve as tools for trades or luxuries for the rich. But even they have almost entirely biomechanical bodies and a biocore. A brass sphere pulsing with rivulets of energy embedded in the chest, said to be the home of the self. Most serve the corpse, the disavowed avoid them, but only a few are fool enough to try and fight back, to try and retake the fiefdoms. These are the rogues, a very loose network of networks, where the disavowed have no access to mods and most citizens can only use ones produced and supported by the corp their biocore is tuned to, 
The rogues seize, crack, and repurpose these tools into weapons for their hopeless war. On the edge of the fiefdoms, in one of the smallest, harshest districts, four new rogues are about to have a really rough day. You are underground. It is dark and something is covering your eyes. A soft voice says, yeah, this is kind of going to suck. You don't have time to hear the key being pressed before pain racks through every part of your body. The intense pain only adds to the effect of whatever feels like it's making your head spin. You can't think clearly enough to even remember what the pain is from, where you are. But then, as suddenly as it started, the pain ceases and your blindfold drops away. A woman in her mid-twenties stands across from the four of you, a guilty grimace on her face. You all remember now. You were told to come to this basement at exactly this time, told it was time to join the fight at last. Lights flicker on and you get your first good look at each other. Candle, let's start with you. When the rest of your newly minted rogue companions look around, what do they see when they look at you? Oh boy. Uh, you see uh, an individual in what appears to be a full-body green spandex suit. Um, no! Yes! But there's, there's like, uh, bits stuck on all over their body, like, uh, like armor almost, except it looks like a cheap Halloween costume. And uh, instead of a, a head and a face, they have a, sort of a, a almost medieval-looking helmet, um, except where the visor would be, there is a screen um, a, across which occasionally flash uh, symbols, numbers, and words. As they look at you, and as they focus on you, whatever it is that happen, that's happened, whatever's changed... They begin to see bits of information about you. And right now, the only one they can really make sense of is what appears to be a name. What is this green nightmare's name? Uh, their name is Sensibility Askew. And the pronouns for Sensibility there were they, them? The pronouns for Sensibility Askew are largely unnecessary, but for these purposes, yes. <laughs> You will not address <laughs> sensibility. <laughs> okay. Sense, I mean, like, what you give a vacuum cleaner pronouns? Schrodinger's sensibility. <laughs> Over to you, Ben. My character's sort of mid-30s, a leather jacket and jeans, trying to keep with a style that died out a long, long time ago. Slicked-backed hair, kind of a an aging look, but kind of confident at the same time. Sort of has a greaser vibe. I was about to say that. Either greaser or greasy. Greaser vibe. <laughs> both. Why not both? And what is this um, greasy greaser's name? So he's called Amon. Mm-hmm. Excellent. And Amon, again, uses he, him pronouns, was it? Yeah, like myself, just for simplicity. Cool. Yeah. Uh, Goji, tell me about your new imaginary friend. <laughs> Okay, so you see what appears to be a very professionally disgruntled-looking knockoff tiefling. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Dressed, like, somewhere between a 1980s hippie and a very fancy medieval grandma. Ooh! Um, (laughs) That is a mix of aesthetics. Um, They're they're wearing sort of an intricately patterned skirt made of patchwork fabric. Um, a midriff shirt, some metal bangles. Um, they have a, a long reptilian tail um, and uh, gorgeous <laughs> platinum blonde locks. 
Um, <laughs> which are uh, mostly free flowing, but sort of separated into into a braid um, toward the front, uh, draping in front of their ear. You meet people in your hair. You've made a fucking Argonian, like an Oblivion level Argonian. A really stylistic <laughs> no, 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 grandma. They have, they, have a, they have a more human face. They have a they have a humanish face. Okay. Um, they they, they don't Ish. look like a like a reptile. They have a pretty standard person face. They're very short. Also, this is extremely important. They're about five feet tall. And what is their um, name? Uh, you may call them Arlius Vane. Ooh. Ooh. You got a good round of oohs there. Good name. <laughs> I'm, I think I'm in love with your character. I don't think Instance will like them, but I'm in love with your character, and I need That's you to know. That's too bad. It's because, because Jester has a type, and that type is Tieflings. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Edgy. Of us talked just there. <laughs> All right, Jester, you mentioned your character's name was Instance. What can you tell us about him? Uh, so Instance Salyut. Um, they're sort of on the taller side of average, probably around 5'10", 5'11". Um, they're, uh, late 20s, uh, they have short, choppy black hair, dark eyes, a face that kind of gives away too much, they're very expressive, uh, and they're sort of, like, full of anxious energy. They have on, like, a deep blue bomber jacket that has a lot more pockets than you would expect, uh, and they're clearly dressed for, uh, function over fashion. Uh, they also, you can't necessarily at first glance really see anything mechanical about them, except one of their eyes is a little bit odd compared to the other. They don't quite match up. Love it. Okay. Now, one thing you will see different when you look at Instance compared to the rest of the party is that Instance's general, almost like a hood you see looking at someone. You look at someone, and if you focus... Bits of information pop up. Right now, you can only really glean their name. But Instance's mm-hmm. display here is slightly fractured and flickering. Oh. Mm-hmm. Mysterious. So, the woman in front of you, the one that you're fairly sure it felt like was just electrocuting you, she's short, wearing a white tank top. The only visibly... The only visible aesthetically mechanical parts of her are the joints, the shoulders, the elbows, the knees. Everything else looks like pale flesh, but those are exposed servos, wires, tubes, mechanical joints. She has very, very short white hair, and her name, when you look at her, it's flickering and cracked even more than instances, and it just says her name is Echo. She looks the four of you up and down and then says, well, that's a 100% survival rate so far. You're certainly getting off to an auspicious start. Now, tell me, why do you want to fight? And she starts by looking at Candle, not Candle, um, Sensibility Askew. Uh, <clears throat> Askew looks... Uh straightens up at being addressed and um, a series of question marks increasing in size pass across the the face of of their screen. Echo says, that's that's an answer. That's all we need. Right now, you're going to be feeling disorientated. Your memories, they're going to be gently shaken by the process. 
you need something to hold on the to. question marks continue to increase in size. What you need to hold on to right now is why you're fighting. It doesn't matter what else slips away right now. This job takes a lot from a lot of people and gives almost nothing back. So right now, if you can hold on to the reason for fighting, that's all you need. She takes a beat and looks around and then steps back. But it's not that simple. We've brought you online. We've given you basic equipment. But there is still one last trial before we trust you with sensitive information, before we trust you with missions. I trust that you're all feeling the connection. And when she says that, you feel Askew's confusion. As the question mark grows, you all just feel tingling at the back of your head, a nagging sense of confusion. Echo says to you, for something like this, you're going to need to be able to act as one. It is important that when one of you moves, you all move. When one of you is in danger, you all know and you all act. As such, you have now just had your pulse net engaged. Some people call it a battle bond. What that essentially comes down to is it's a low-level psychic field, and it is going to be your most useful weapon in the coming fight. A, uh, a lightning bolt followed by a question mark passes across Askew's screen. Does that mean you have a question, Askew? They shake their head. They, they shake their head and they just wave their hand. Okay. You all signed on to do some real damage to the people who are destroying this town and choking every single one of us. You're going to get the chance to do that, but first, you do need to be tested. Any questions so far before I go into details on that? Tell me about yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Job interviews can work both ways. Askew doesn't have eyes, but they just, like, turn very slowly and stare at this person. Instance um, sort of blinks for a moment, uh, and then they say, Okay, um, I have a question. Every time one of us dies, do we have to get resynced up to a new party member, or is that just a one-time thing? You get used to it, and if what Cos has told me is true, I can't see any of you going anywhere too fast. I do notice my question wasn't answered. Fine. What do you want to know? <laughs> General background information would, would suffice. You have to understand that I'm not going to tell you anything that is not need to know about me. What you need to know is that I am going to be your handler. I am going to be protecting you as much as I can from the rest of our organization. Because if one of us gets captured, we need to make sure no further names can be spilled. As far as you're concerned, I'm the only other member of this organization that exists. You report to me. You do not bother yourself with who I report to. You do not bother yourself with whom my reports come through. You simply trust that the missions I am providing are essential for the cause. So you're like a receptionist. <laughs> sure. That's I'm a receptionist. More than that, and for for a moment, her body flickers. I should mention as well that her bio core is clearly on display. Even through the t-shirt, you can see the outline of it and the glowing lights. All of yours are glowing blue, which indicates that you are not affiliated with a core. Hers is currently glowing yellow, which indicates that she is familiar, that she is um, 
associated with the corp that runs this district called Locus. Your job is to kill this body. I'll be on my way now. And she turns to walk out the door. Oh, to clarify, you mean you, right? Yes, kill this body, do not kill my bio car. And as she closes the door, well, as she gets the door, she opens it, steps through, and moves to close it. Any last questions? Uh, can uh, can, can I attempt to launch after her? Absolutely. To grab her before she shuts the door? Are you making an attack? Or I, sorry. Um, are you making an attack with one of your mods? Or you each have... A gun, um, or are you just trying to tackle her? I will make an attack initially with one of my spring heels. Excellent. So, what is this going to look like? So, instant sort of shifts their weight, um, and shifts all their weight onto sort of one leg, then the other. Uh, you see, sort of when they sort of shift their weight, instead of just like coming flat to the floor, there's almost like sort of like a little bounce. Um, and then, um, they lean all their weight on one, like, and then they sort of go from one leg all the way onto the other and sort of just launch across the room in a way that, if you didn't know about mods, would seem quite impossible, uh, in order to try to kick, um, Echo, like, directly in the head. <laughs> oh my god. Okay. Getting right to the point. So I'm going to make, need to make a few programming notes now. First of all, I mentioned that this system is being built from the barest bones up. That extends to the current essential lack of a skills system. We're going to be trying out a few different things, seeing what feels best and building it from there. But right now, episode one, we are working with the bare minimum functional system. This is a D12-based system. So what we're going to do, I'm going to essentially think of a number um, factoring in the fact that you are using your spring heels, and Jester is going to roll a d12 and see what happens. I get no additions to it, correct? It's just flat. So now I'm factoring the use of your spring heels into the roll, difficulty into the difficulty, itself. but I'm also factoring in the fact that she totally expected this. Oh, no, absolutely. <laughs> and Instance is aware of mm-hmm. that. However, they're, like Echo said, Okay, kill me. And instant said, "All right, bet." All right, roll it. <laughs> so, uh, eleven. Damn. Um, you land a solid kick, and I'm going to see. She is going to take damage from this, but then I'm going to roll mm-hmm. to see if she still manages to get the door closed. Yeah, I think it's too. It says too physical from my spring heels. It does, and she is not trying to block that attack. We'll, when we get into combat proper, we'll break down what all of this means. But too physical is a lot of damage that she's not trying to block, and she is just going to take this mm-hmm. hit and focus on getting the door closed. Yep, instance is totally fine with that. So the echo has taken two physical damage. For context, the players can take five damage, and that is relatively a lot this is a very very low health game yeah we're trying to avoid combat generally well not avoid but be smart jess i mentioned i think i think you mentioned you don't want to have hit points be a thing in the final i don't want to do D style hit points definitely i'm probably going to transition to a wound system mm. oh yes yeah. okay 
Um, yeah, it is a solid hit, but she does manage to shove the door closed and you hear electronic locks engage. She presses a button on the door on her side, which you don't see, but you do see an intercom on your side light up. And she says through, I'll be in the hotel. Don't make a mess. Don't get anyone else hurt. Understood. And we will take a break there. Good, because I just ran out of coffee. And welcome back. So, in the first part of this episode, you all had a really, really bad electric time, woke up, are a bit scrambled and confused about what's going on, and then Instance tried to kick your boss to death. She asked to be- she asked to die. She asked to die. It was a good kick. As you're stood in the room, it's dimly lit by a fluorescent light because we still have them in the future. It's gently buzzing, but I'm not doing falling. Um, Your heads start to stop spinning quite so much and come back to you and you become more aware of your situation and your surroundings. You remember that you were told to come here at exactly this time and that you would be able to finally join essentially the revolution This isn't one big organized group. The rogues aren't an incorporation. They aren't a company. They aren't a business. They're a network of networks, different groups, all working independently. And even within those groups, anonymity is the absolute key. You have been told to expect to essentially, unless the circumstances are very unusual, not expect to hear from anyone except your handler who will hear from their handler, and so on. And this is business as usual, essentially for a revolutionary cell. You remember now that you were told it was time to have your cause cracked, essentially, to make it so that even though you're not affiliated with a corp, you would still finally, from this moment, be able to use mods. Anyone working for the corporations can use the mods, which are um, tools, luxury items, self-defense items built into the mechanical body. Uh, Anyone affiliated with one of the corps can use mods supported and produced by their corp. But you, as rogues, will be able to use um, mods from any corp, provided that you can find someone to crack them open for you and make them work. So this is the first time that any of you have had experience with mods, and Instance just got off to a flying success with theirs. So do we, uh, we're, we're, we're waking up, waking up, we're starting here uh, with the mods that uh, we have on our character sheets. You have the mods on your character sheets. Shall we have a quick rundown, just give me the names of them, at what, your, what mods your character currently has, and we'll go into more detail on them as they come up. We'll start with Jester. We've just seen the spring heels. And what else do you have? Uh, So I'm just going to re-explain the spring heels just so it's more clear as well. Uh, Essentially, Instance has um, uh, on both legs, sort of, I imagine sort of almost just below the knee all the way down, uh, has things called spring heels. Um, Basically, they're for jumping really high or really far, but they're also really fucking good at kicking people. Uh, but, uh, so I have one on each leg, but, uh, and I used one of them, uh, and it's really dangerous for me to try to do anything if I only have one, because, um, they don't help me with fall damage at all, and also they need to recharge, and, uh, it's just not great to only jump on one leg, but, you know, it's fine. 
What else does instance have? Uh, instance also has the magnify, which um, essentially is one of their eyes can zoom and enhance like we're in a crime show on like a computer screen, except just in person. So it's sort of just like binoculars, but one eye. What does that um, look like to look at instance and see the magnify? It's got a hyphen in it, and I'm very proud of that name. What does the magnify <laughs> look like? Okay, so on the official mod sheet, it's sort of like a big bronze eye. But for instance, I imagine at first you think that one of their eyes is just darker, like the white of their eye is off. But then you realize that the white of their eye is sort of like a silvery metal. And what you thought was sort of like the iris and the pupil is actually just sort of one big pupil. That's pretty cool. Am I right in saying that Instance also has armor? Instance also has one point of armor, which for this, I believe I essentially ignore the first point of damage that I get hit. So like my spring heels, when I use them to kick, do two harm damage. And so if someone kicked me with spring heels, I would take one. I will also say that on your average mook about the city, if you just went up to a random office worker and kicked them with the spring heels, it would be easily easy enough to kill them. Mm-hmm. That being said, when I say kill, I mean it'd be enough to destroy their body. People in this setting aren't killed permanently unless you destroy their biocore. That glowing metal orb normally located in the chest, normally covered up. Okay, and that is instance. How about... Goji, can you tell me what Alias Vane has? A winning personality. <laughs> Okay, so so they have nanobot protection, projection, and uh, thief's touch. The nanobot projection uh, is a, like a wrist-mounted catapult, um, and it fires healing nanobots. And the thief's touch is a concealed, essentially zappy finger um, that delivers electric shocks to enemies and can scramble electronics. Um, and it does double damage if it's used on a foe who's unaware of it. How about... Actually, no, first of all, what are you imagining the Thief's Touch looking like? Um, I'm imagining it... You know those, um... Those fancy sort of metal claw accessories? Fancy! Okay, uh, what about Eamon? What has Eamon got? So, Eamon has something called the Marauder's Multitool. Initially, it just looks like a hand with scraps of metal that sort of... It looks damaged and broken, but with a pulse of energy, it forms like a super strong hammerhead, which has like a devastating blow, but it is kind of exhausting to use and it uses a lot of energy. It also um, has, it's well, on its own, it's a very dangerous weapon, but I believe we gave you with this mod a charge you can use in a fight. So I think we've said once per fight, it has some fancy momentum multiplying technology that's vaguely physics defined. Quad core, yeah. That makes it do a hell of a lot more damage and is good at the smash. What else does Eamon have? So Eamon also has the titanium duck. I do like the titanium duck. What it's are you imagining name. this looking like, first of all, and then we'll go on to its function. Sort of something some sort of device on the wrist. Which doesn't have any like controls on it, but it's like harnessed through the, I guess, brain. Yeah, one of the core rules of this system is that any kind of AI, any kind of machine that thinks on its own is entirely outlawed. After the backstory happened, 
Um, There's a reason that the city is surrounded by the AI wastes. So what the titanium duct does is it projects Eamon's consciousness onto a device and lets him have essentially a conversation with it to help him with hacking, repairing, whatever he needs. But there is a cost for that one to recharge. Ben, can you read us what the recharge cost on the um, titanium duct is? It literally reduces my health. It costs one point of health to recharge. So that's kind of risky, but I mean, it's powerful. And are you you telling me that it's not shaped like a duck? It could just be a rubber duck you wore around your neck, honestly. (laughs) I was thinking that if it's like part on like um, Eamon's wrist, I was imagining it has like an embossed duck or like an engraved duck just sort of on it. Oh, like a little stylized little metal duck that... That's on the back. I didn't see that. I just turned my wrist round, you know? <laughs> okay, and how about, and I am particularly looking forward to this one. Yeah, you saved this for last. Okay, so um, Askew has a couple of mods. Uh, Askew has, like, uh, I think I think it was uh, Instance, yes. Uh, armor. Um, yeah. You, it was you who had, okay. Uh, but in, in Askew's case, it looks just a bit like, and we can go ham on the descriptions here, right? Oh, please. Maximum okay. ham. Uh, the armor on Askew basically looks like if someone cut up uh, several of those large plastic storage tubs into vaguely armor-shaped pieces and then, like, taped them all over their body. Um, Excellent. Yeah, and, and they've also, like, spray-painted, like, various uh, exciting colors and patterns. So it's not just, like, transparent plastic, but, um, yeah, that's it's a lot to look at. Uh, um, Askew also has uh, what's called a uh, an unerring pitch grip, which allows me to throw small projectiles over medium range with perfect accuracy. Um, and I'm imagining this probably looks just like baseball glove, baseball glove, baseball glove, baseball glove, baseball glove, baseball glove, baseball glove. It looks like fine. It looks like a baseball glove. Yes. The baseball glove is the massive brown one, right? Yep. Yep. <laughs> so they have uh they have they have a, a giant brown glove on one of their hands, except it's not brown because it has also been spray painted with exciting colors and patterns. Does it have a little smiley face on it? Yes. <laughs> um and then, and then I think that that's everything Askew has. We wouldn't have given Askew anything else. No, nope, no. Nope. Uh Askew also has something called uh the onboard theme music generator. Uh, and this is, um, I've been imagining it as a set of boombox speakers mounted like pauldrons on their shoulders, and, uh, they can be used once per day before rolling to provide dramatic background music to a skill attempt. Um, so regardless of whether I succeed or fail at my skill attempt, it will be fantastic. I'm imagining Askew is sort of like the tabletop RPG equivalent of a scene dog. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, um, for the listener, and I'm going to say listener singular there because come on. <laughs> <laughs> um, the way mods work, they're the equivalent of abilities and magical items in your typical fantasy role playing game. The idea is once a mod has been acquired and hacked into so that it is usable by rogues. They can be swapped between you fairly freely, and each part of the body can only have one mod on it. 
So, for example, Jester currently has the spring heels taking up both of the lower leg slots, which means that Jester couldn't also have some lower leg slots to prevent falling damage, because the spring heels don't do that. They let you get up real high, but they don't help you come down. Jess, have you have you worked out exactly like which what body slots there are? Um, or are we just kind of making that up as we go? I have a working document for that that I'm not implementing into the game yet. For now, gotcha. we'll go off my gut. Okay. There's a joke here somewhere about body shots. <laughs> but I also, I, I just wanted to say that, um, Candle, I'm so glad that you decided to make your character a very dedicated theater kid. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> um... I think I think the way I described them to Jess was uh, was um, future punk surfer bro. I hate them. Theater kid. Wow. Yeah. I hate them. I I love it. I would love to go to a party with a skew. You would not. I, I think I would too. Okay, so you are in a locked room. It is dimly lit by one fluorescent light. There is a big metal door that you entered through with an intercom next to it. And there are various wires, clamps, clips, and computers scattered around the room, all in various states of disrepair. Presumably, they were what were just used to enable your pulse net and mods. Someone tell me what they do. Uh, Askew stands up and like just kind of walks over to one of the... the uh, their computer screens, you said, are in the room? Yeah, sure. Okay. Uh, yeah, they just walk over to one and kind of like tap on it experimentally. Nothing happens. It appears to be currently unpowered. Arlius is going to see this sad, futile attempt to turn on a computer, and <laughs> they're going to amble on over. And um, is there is there a visible power button anywhere? Or Bear with me. I'm just going to roll a die. Yes. Okay. They're going to look ask you dead in the uh, screen. <laughs> And, and completely expressionlessly just reach their little finger over and doink the button. Okay, yeah, the screen lights up and it requests a password. The poop emoji just kind of flickers across Askew's screen. Oh, and I will say, these don't appear to be networked. They appear to all be standing individually. Um, <laughs> There's a locked door that we are supposed to go through and we're kind of playing on the computer over here. <laughs> we're like uh, kids in the library. Instance is standing in front of the door since they did just kick uh, Echo and I'd assume probably one of Echo's many bodies uh, in the face. Uh, and they're sort of standing by the door. They heard the lock. Did we all hear the lock? You engaging? heard a buzz of an electronic lock engaging and then there's a big vault or submarine airlock style spinning lock which also then span into place and made a clunky noise so this appears to have an electronic and a mechanical lock are there um you said there were were there wires near the door or is the wires just all sort of over near the computer there's wires pretty much everywhere but none of them seem to be coming out of the door the only thing that seems to be like connected is the intercom this is an example of the way I like to run games, where I present the players with a problem that I've not thought of a solution for. <laughs> okay, so um, my, I have a question, and that question is, how creative can we get with the use of mods? Is it, 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 can we use them for things that aren't explicitly detailed in their description? 
Absolutely. Okay, so like looking at my my nanobot projection, I had the thought that like, oh, I don't know how these things heal. If I sprayed them on an enemy, like, could I somehow use them to fuck with their biomechanics? I don't know. They're like, specifically programmed for healing. Okay. What if I like zapped them with my thief's touch to scramble them or something and then sprayed them in someone's face? What would happen? <laughs> Pocket sand. Pocket sand. <laughs> <laughs> well, my first question, Goji, is who are you planning to attack in this room? <laughs> oh, not, not yeah, anyone in here. Hell? No, I'm just making claims for Echo. <laughs> uh, oh, okay. yeah. Um, oh, um, I question. will also say you all have um, a basic melee weapon and gun of your choice. They will each do one physical damage, but aren't risky to use, and we'll get to risky when it comes up. How dare you give this knockoff store brand tiefling a gun and expect to use it? <laughs> I love this. <laughs> uh, so I, uh, Instance is going to turn to the rest of everyone and say, does anyone have something flat that we can pry the intercom off with? I want to see if the wires there are tied into the door at all, or if they're completely separate. You could strip some of the plastic off of this lunk of green over here. Middle finger emoji. Considering we're supposed to work together, I don't think mutilation is the goal. However, if you're offering that idea, I could surely take part of your horns. Um, so do you have horns or do you just have like a tail? Um, I'm going to say... You can have a knife. I'm going to... I'm gonna meet them. I'm gonna meet you halfway and give them one horn. <laughs> it's like I could strip the metal off of your horn, or um, if you perhaps have a knife or something flat to pry this open, we can attempt that and see if it ties into the door at all, so we can escape wig- and kill our boss. They wiggle their little thieves' touch finger. Don't don't hurt yourself, darling. And then and then they um, then they then they walk over and start uh, kind of chipping away at it. It's it's very I'm- sharp. I resent being called darling, but that's fine. <laughs> um, Jess, point of order. Uh, the onboard theme music generator, in addition to its once per day, like, blast music thing, can I just play gentle background music? Yes, and also um, the sonic attack that it has also isn't tied to that once per day. Okay, excellent. Lo-fi. All right, cool. <laughs> so, yeah, no. Uh, uh, Lo-fi tunes to break open a door, too. Ask you does in fact reach up and twiddle a knob on on their shoulder uh, uh, music generator and gentle uh, crackly lo-fi starts to come out. Lovely. Beautiful. I feel like I need to hit something with a hammer. <laughs> you need the door with the hammer. Can I give that a go? Sure thing. What are you trying to do? Just see if it makes a noise, you know? Yeah, go ahead. Are you using the charge on the weapon, which you can use once per day, for a big fuck-off hit? Or are you just using it normally, which is still damaging? I'll give it a normal go, you know? Okay. Um, So are you just bashing the door directly, or are you going for the intercom? Oh, the intercom. Wait, I don't want to hit someone. Yeah, we were going to pry open the intercom. You know, while you're doing the, the work on the intercom... I'll go hit the door. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to make you roll for that because there's no way that hitting the door can go wrong. I just want you guys to think I'm doing something. <laughs> so, Eamon, Eamon takes the direct approach. 
rears back and slams into the door with their big mechanical fist and puts a, puts a sizable dent into it and also shakes the stone foundation, like the stone wall around the door, which the door is built into. Uh, the record skips. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, just ask if you use vinyl. Yeah, of course. Only when they feel like it. It's compatible with all forms. Artificial vinyl. It's huge. Sorry. It's small. It's fine. Okay, what's the fucking Disco Twink doing? (laughs) Uh, Disco Twink uh, looks up, um, looking vaguely annoyed. uh, And when I say vaguely annoyed, I mean the word annoyed flashes across their visor. But like in tiny font? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Okay. And then they walk over to the door, uh, gently, if, if Ben will allow me to do this, gently shoves Eamon aside. Uh, go for it. Yeah, and then, uh, and then knocks on the door. Okay. Um, nothing happens. <laughs> can I say... Uh, uh, ask you crosses their arms. <laughs> then I, can I say that I'm currently... Oh, sorry, you go. Sorry, go on, go on. Oh, I was gonna say, gonna say, I would assume the intercom would be high up on the wall, and because Arlius is so short, I just want you guys to know that I'm visualizing that Arlius is like on Instance's shoulders right now. Excellent. <laughs> like just like really on Instance's shoulders to try to pry it open, because we're just like you know we're trying our best. That makes sense. I, I want you guys to know that um, I'm going to try and do some kind of character voice for Arlius because they're a rude motherfucker and I don't want my out-of-character comments to get confused. Goji is incapable of being mean. I'm, I'm, I'd like to think so, yes. So if it's the worst thing you've ever heard, just let me know. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll try and change it. I'm thinking they sound sort of snivelly like this. Oh, I love that. <laughs> like an awful little little chaotic twink. <laughs> yeah, I, I I kind of briefly struggled with the concept of doing a character voice, and then decided I would just make ask you to speak through emojis. <laughs> it's a strong choice. Okay, so <laughs> you you've been beaten by a locked door. <laughs> no, no, no. Arlius no, and I are working really great yeah. on this. Door. Okay, what are you doing on this intercom? What you're using something to say to pry, try and pry it off. I'm going to assume we've successfully gotten, like, the metal casing off. Sure. So we've got, like, the wires exposed. Um, so I just kind of look down <laughs> at Instance, like, <laughs> go ahead. Because <laughs> he, he doesn't know what he was, uh, what he came over here to do exactly with the intercom. He just wanted to show up Instance and can be you... useful and prying it open. Okay, can you... If possible, um, either look down to see if those wires tie into the door at all, or perhaps, I don't know, an electrical pulse you might have to shock the wires to see if it'll override one of the two locks. An electrical pulse, perhaps, from an item specifically designed for thieves to open doors. Yeah, perhaps. Hey, wait a second. And they, they, they zap the wires with their little thieves touch. Is this with the intention of opening the oh, electronic oh, lock? Yeah. Or okay. overriding it, shorting something out. Yeah, that happens. You the know. intercom gives off a very, very small puff of smoke out of what is left of the speaker that's dangling by a few wires. And you hear the sound of an electromagnetic lock disengaging. Oh, how fun. Hey. So now that that's off, Instance is going to immediately take uh, Arlie. I keep wanting to call you Vane instead. 
immediately takes that. Vane off of um, their shoulders, just like just very quickly, just goes whoop, whoop, you're off, and goes um, like a puppy on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, doesn't head pat you, unfortunately, uh, just puts Darn. you right on the ground, uh, and then sort of um, blinks around, and then eyes settle on Amon, and was like, um, you did quite the damage to the door. I give it a go. You know? We have the, um... It's sort of like a submarine door-style lock, right? So it has, like, all of the sort of, like, points where you twist. Yes. Um, would you like to try to hit that and see if you can get it spinning? Are you sure? Yeah, I'll give it a go. Why not? Okay, so what does Eamon do specifically? This is a super hit. This is, like, a full power, (laughs) big swing... You know, does a does a three sixty rotation just for that sort of ballerina power? <laughs> okay, so as right for the <laughs> mechanical bit, right for like the top handle bit to set it spinning. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, as Eamon does this, and they engage the mod on its full strength, it almost seems to blur as Eamon spins and becomes incredibly dense and as it strikes onto the top of the handle, I'm going to need Ben to roll me 1d12. This is going to work, it's just a matter of how much it works. Oof. Rolling. That's, <gasps> that's an 11. Excellent. Okay, yeah, the wheel at first in the instant that you hit it it feels like it's just not going to go through anywhere. Okay. But then the momentum accelerators don't write in physicists in the Marauders multi-tool engage and multiply the force it hits it hits with threefold. And it hits that break point and crashes right through it, spins around, spins freely, the door opens and the handle just kind of falls off. Did I do it? You did it. Ooh. Congratulations. Now you can we win. go kill our boss? Thumbs up emoji. <laughs> okay. Uh, beyond this door is the set of stairs that you entered through. You remember that you are currently below a disused warehouse. Or at least they said it was disused. It is a set of bare concrete steps. And up above, you can see the light of day streaming through several broken windows. Okay, um... Askew pumps their fist and charges up the stairs. I think that's going to be a theme. Do the rest of you follow? Sure. I will. So, as you all head up, you find yourselves in the shell of what used to be a warehouse. Broken walls, broken windows, and just visible through one of the biggest gaps, you see Adler's Row itself. And as you look out on this bustling, crammed street lined with stalls and absolutely full of people, a cacophonous roar of the noise of trade. I think it's time that we end our first episode. Thank you so much for listening to the first episode of More Like Guidelines and our Biocore game-building actual play. So one more time, I have been Jessica Crimes and I have been joined by Ben Freeney. By Candle. Hello. By Goji. Hello. By Jester. 
Hi. Hey, you all said the wrong thing. This is not the time for hello. Bye. 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 <laughs> Farewell. <laughs>